to episode 23 of Try Talk SA. G'day, my name is Brad Brown. Thanks uh, again for joining me this week uh, on this weekly podcast aimed at the South African triathlon market. Just over a week and a bit to go until Ironman 70.3 Buffalo City. If you are racing, I hope you're feeling good. I hope the nerves uh, are in check and the butterflies are flying in formation. It's just around the corner and it's almost time to start making that journey down to the Eastern Cape if you're not from there uh, to take part in what is uh, fast becoming one of the biggest 70.3s on the planet. So yeah, exciting, exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to heading down to uh, Slummies myself. It's going to be brilliant. If you are doing it, and if you are a novice, if this is your first one, or if you want to find out a little bit more, maybe you've done one and you want to find out a little bit more about the race, or if you've done a couple, uh, we're hosting that webinar this week. Uh, it is on Thursday, and all you need to do if you want to register, it's absolutely free, is just get over to this URL, okay? It's uh, trytalksa.co.za forward slash 703. Uh, like 70.3, but without the point, okay? So it's 703, trytalksa.co.za, 703. Register there. We look forward to spending some time with you. If you uh, missed last week's show and you're not quite sure what it's about, let me tell you, uh, I've been getting a ton, a whole bunch of questions uh, from people about uh, what to do and what to expect for 703 and I thought, you know what, I'm doing a similar sort of thing for the Comrades Marathon where we, we do a, a Q&A with a, a couple of panelists and you get to ask, uh, ask questions uh, about things that you want to know about the race. So I'm doing it for 70.3. It's the first time we've ever done it for triathlon in South Africa. The response so far has been amazing and we hope to have you on board as well. Uh, it's really easy to be part of it. Just get over to that web address and you can find out more and I look forward to spending that time with you on Thursday night. On to this week's show, however, and we chatted to him towards the end of uh, last year. And he was uh, in Australia. He was about to take on Ironman Western Australia in Busselton. I'm talking about uh, Super Pit, Peter Dupria, who was uh, aiming to become the first quadriplegic to complete an Ironman ever. So the first person in the world to ever do something like that. And uh, I caught up with him the week after the race, and we were on holiday uh, so I didn't get to broadcast that interview, but I think it's definitely worth playing regardless. Uh, this, uh, bear in mind, it was uh, just almost the halfway through December. So uh, almost a month ago, or about a month ago, we chatted to, to Peter, but definitely relevant and definitely inspiring as well. If this story doesn't fire you up with uh, a little bit to go until 70.3, I'm afraid nothing will. So uh, I saved it uh, for this week just so that we could give you some inspiration heading into uh, your half Ironman if you are taking part. And uh, yeah, as always, lots of uh, reviews and that coming through on iTunes. If you can keep them up, I'd really appreciate it. If you haven't left one yet, uh, if you'd just mind taking uh, a couple of minutes and just leaving me a star rating and a review on iTunes for Try Talk SA. It helps other people uh, discover this podcast and it ranks us. Obviously, the more reviews and five-star ratings we get, the better iTunes ranks us in their sort of search uh, algorithms and it helps other people find this podcast. So it takes a lot of time and effort to put these together. If you, you enjoy them and, and you wouldn't mind just taking a couple of minutes uh, to help me out and, and do me a favor, I'd really appreciate it. So uh, without further ado, let's get straight into this week's episode and uh, let's kick things off with Super Pit. Ironman Western Australia took place in Busselton last Sunday, and one of the athletes that took part was South Africa's Peter Dupria. 
Peter's journey is a phenomenal one. Peter's a, a quadriplegic, and he was a pretty competitive age group of triathlete that represented South Africa at the under-23 level and was hit by a car, and we'll get into some of that today. But Peter decided he wasn't going to sit around at home and mope, but uh, he was going to set some big goals, and one of those was to become the first quadriplegic to finish a half Ironman triathlon, which he did earlier this year. After that, he set the goal to complete a full Ironman triathlon, which is a 3.8-kilometer swim, 180-kilometer cycle, followed by a 42-kilometer run. And this last Sunday, Peter did it. He became the first quad to complete an Ironman, and he joins us now. Peter, well done on your achievements. Uh, first of all, tell me, what does it feel like to be an Ironman? <laughs> no, thanks, Brad. Yes, no, it feels surreal. You know, it's just unbelievable. You know, 10 years ago when I broke my neck... Um, you know, like this was just a dream and, you know, a very far-fetched one. Most people just laughed at me. Um, yes, and so now I'm sitting here and I'm just like, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm, I did it, you know. So, no, it's incredible. I, you know, I still I sort of can't describe the feeling, but it, it's great. <laughs> Peter, an Ironman distance triathlon is daunting for able-bodied athletes, but for someone who's wheelchair-bound, it must be uh, the equivalent of summiting Everest for you. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, maybe just to also explain to the listeners, um, you know, most people think quadriplegics, you know, if you're quadriplegic, you can only move your head, you know, so just so that they do understand, it depends on where you break your spine. So quadriplegic just means that uh, you've, you, you injured all four limbs, where paraplegic is you can't move your legs, basically. Um, so I'm a C6 quadriplegic, so I've got no triceps, um, paralyzed from nipples down. And I basically get my, you know, my, the muscles that I do use in my sport is um, my shoulders and my biceps and some wrist movements. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously, yes, you know, in the beginning, you know, everything, like just getting dressed was a daunting task, you know. But then, you know, as you keep on trying and trying and trying, you get further in life with anything, you know. So, so yeah, you know, it, it, it was a big task to think of 10 years ago, but as you go one step further, one step further, it, it starts getting closer and closer and closer and looks a bit more easier to, to reach it, you know. So, and that's exactly what this was, you know. So I took it step by step, you know, doing all the different other sports on the way here and um, then the half and now the full. So, yeah, but I mean, it, it was a long journey, but incredible. <laughs> Let's go back. You, you mentioned 10 years ago the accident. Let, let's go back just before that. I, I mentioned in, in the intro that you were a fairly competitive age grouper uh, in, your, in your early, early tw like late teens, early 20s. Tell us a little bit yeah. about your, your, your sporting sort of background before the accident. Okay, so, I mean, I, I studied at the University of Johannesburg. Um, it was then Rao. Uh, I did my degree in actual si actuarial science. Um, and, yeah, I mean, sport was always a big big part of my life, even primary school, high school, you know, I, I ran provincially athletics and cross country and um, by, did biathlon and so forth. Um, and then at varsity, you know, I, I cycled for the university, I ran for the university, um, I made the South African students cycling team, I made the South African students triathlon team and I also made the um, South African triathlon team under 23, you know, so yeah, you know, so sport was just a big part of my life, you know, and, I, and you know, the, the strange thing is I think that's also you know, part part of why it made my journey as a quadriplegic so much easier. You know, so because of of my physical nature, you know, I was already used to physical stuff. You know, so yeah, you know, so um, that was me before the accident. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that accident, sixth of October two thousand and three. Tell me what happened. Okay, yeah, so sixth October two thousand and three. So pretty much a bit more than ten years ago now. Um, and yeah, I was. It's an ironic story. I was on my way. Um, 
so I had to cycle 60 k's for the day and I had a bit of a hamstring niggle and a friend told me I must go to the chiropractor. So I decided I'm going to cycle to the chiropractor and back because they didn't keep my 60 k's for the day. And um, on the way to the chiropractor, um, a car didn't see me and knocked me off my bike. So, you know, on the way to get my spine in alignment, I got it completely knocked out of alignment. You know, so I always laugh about it. But, um, yeah, so I broke my neck, uh, my femur, my wrist, my kneecap. Um, but obviously the most severe thing was my neck. You know, so... Ended up in hospital, ICU for 42 days. I lost my sight for two weeks. Now, all long story, but I mean, the end result was ending up as a C6 quadriplegic. Peter, when did you you sort of realize after that that impact that you know what life's never going to be the same again? It's it's just things aren't aren't going to be the same. It's going to be very different, but life goes on. Yes. Um, you know what? Look, I, I'm a religious guy, you know, so I can tell you, like, immediately when I fell on the on the toe, uh, you know, I was lying on the toe, I couldn't move anything, I could move my head, so I knew something was wrong with my neck. Um, I didn't know whether it was going to be permanent or not. Um, but, yeah, you know, then I was in a, in a induced coma and stuff, And but all the way through I knew something was very wrong, obviously, but, I mean, obviously you have to wait to see what the outcome is, but... Um, all along there, you know, for me, honestly, it's, I think a gift from God is, is and it's grace from above that I just, it, I just went, you know, I did, for me from word day one, it was just go, you know, so, so for me, you know, I knew something was different, but, you know, like everybody there said, like they thought my dreams were shattered. And for me, it's all just a, a mind shift, you know, for me, it was, I, my dreams were just changed, you know, so for me, it was, okay, now I'm a quadriplegic that's what it is now, but I'm still Peter, you know, Peter, the guy inside, you know, wasn't injured, I'm the same guy, so now I must just use what I have and go forward, you know, so, and luckily that's, you know, the same with everything in life for me, you know, six weeks before this full Ironman, um, a guy did a U-turn without looking, a cyclist, um, and I broke my arm, as you know, and it was amazing for me as well, it took me five minutes to, you know, finish off with like the whole thing about, geez, I can't believe I'm in this situation now. And then I was just looking forward again, you know. So for me, I think it's just a lucky thing that it's easy for me and graceful about that. It's easy for me to just, you know, focus with looking forward and are we going forward, you know, and forget about what's what's the past, you know. So it, it, it's just the way you, you're talking about that. For, for me, it seems like it's it's just a major mindset thing that it's it's the way you I mean, things happen to everyone and it's the way you react to those things that that make yeah. or break you essentially. And, and f- just in my dealings with you, Peter, is your, your attitude is, is, you know what? It is what it is. These things happen and I'm going to make the best of any situation. Exactly. You know, like, you know, as I say, for me, you know, in the end, you know, nobody can ever touch who you are who Peter is or whoever you are, you know, and, and your soul inside there and your hope, you know. So, And for me, as long as that is strong, nobody can touch you. Your body is just an earthly vessel, you know. It's like, a, you know, eventually you, you can break your leg, you can break anything, but as long as the person inside isn't broken, you know, it, it really for me is just a choice, you know. And I just say the more you make those choices, I always say you have the two choices, you know, and it is the black, white, negative, positive choice, you know. And, most of the time, making that positive choice is the harder one, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes, you know. But, yeah, you know, for me, it really is just the mind shift, you know. So I always say you want mind shift away from the solution to any problem, you know. So, but it's not it's not an easy one, you know. But, I mean, I, th- I honestly believe the more you do it, the easier it gets, you know. So You've told me the story before, and I would love it if you'd share it again. Uh, and it probably comes from you racing as a competitive age group of triathlete, but I love the story about how after your accident, you used to time yourself to get dressed. You know, and the, the amazing thing is that story is really 
what made me believe a full Ironman is possible. You know, part of of all the little parts. You know, but you know, when I got home after after my accident, um, I you know now just to let everyone understand, I can't move my fingers at all. You know, so there's no grip. You know, so it's just wrist movement, um, and that's it. You know, so. And I get dressed on a bed, but I made sure that I could put everything on, like socks, my shoes, my underpants, my pants. Um, but it took me 50 minutes. And um, then I said, okay, well, I'm going to give myself 15 minutes, one five every day. And once I get to 15 minutes, I stop getting dressed. And then the person that was with me could help me then get dressed. Because um, I thought if I can get to 15 minutes one day, that'll be functional as a quad to, to dress every day in 15 minutes. And then every day, you know, on your marks, get set, go. I timed myself, the person that was with me always laughed in the beginning, but eventually she thought, geez, this guy's getting closer and closer to that 15 minutes. And um, yeah, I think it was about a month later, there I was 15 minutes fully dressed. Um, and then I just said, okay, well, I'm going to make it seven minutes. You know, that's my world record time that I'll probably never reach. And, um, you know, I just carried on timing every day, got a bit closer, closer. Eventually I was under 10 minutes. And then I think it was probably about two months later, one day, Open my eyes and there I was under seven minutes, you know, and, and the amazing thing about that for me is just, you know, I really thought that was the impossible, it would never happen, you know, but I, I put that target time or dream time out there just so that I could carry on going forward because as I saw myself getting faster, it motivated me, you know, it motivated me with other things in life as well, you know, so, and yeah, today I can, can proudly say I don't time myself every day, but my record time today is two minutes and 41 seconds, you know, and that's almost three times faster than what I thought was going to be impossible, you know, so, so just through breaking those barriers, you know, it, it just made me realize a simple thing like getting dressed in life made me realize that you shouldn't set those barriers as not being possible to break, you know, so, and, you know, so I've broken a hell of a lot of barriers on my way to my full Ironman, but I, you know, I think the biggest barrier I ever broke in my life I did on Sunday, you know, so, so yeah, you know that's that's where like the getting dressed story just for me comes into play. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about last Sunday, Peter. I've been keeping in touch with you in the build up to and and following your journey to the race. And you mentioned that six weeks out you broke your arm and you thought that maybe this isn't going to happen. But true to form, uh, obstacles get thrown in your path and you go, you know what? I'm going to make it happen. Tell me what it felt like on that beach, half past five in the morning, knowing that this was the big day. Yes. Um, well, I mean, firstly, I have to say, you know, when I broke my arm on that day, you know, I had to tell everybody because the doctor told me, you can't do it, you know, and I must say most doctors just kept on telling me, big risk, you know, maybe a chance that it won't, because my arm's still broken, you know, it's broken in three pieces, I've just got a plate with screws in. So, you know, like for me, I just always felt like, I just, it was a big leap of faith for me, you know, like I just felt like I, I can still do this, you know, but um you know, I had to wait for the cost to come off after two weeks. And, you know, it was a big mind game then about, you know, what the pain that I feel. And, you know, because the thing is, you're six weeks out, but I, I built such a big base, you know. And the cool thing was, like, my, you know, Reynard Tessick is my coach um, now. And, you know, even he said, if I can tap into a bit of that base and not, you know, lose too much um, two weeks out going into the race, then he thinks I'll still be able to do it. You know, maybe not in the time I want to do it, but he, he thought I can do it, you know. So so everybody that sort of said, yeah, you can do it, you know, it helps your self-belief as well, you know. So, But, yeah, I must say, you know, the last week um, leading up to the race, I was already in Australia. I swam the race course, cycled on the race course, um, been on the run course, and I was just feeling really good, you know. So, you know, I... Th 
I was actually way more nervous um, before the half Ironman I did in May this year than than the full yeah, because I just I just felt so ready, you know. So so the arm was in the back of my mind, you know. I knew I was gonna you know have to monitor it because I'm I'm you know I'm in the race also I I used more of my right arm than the left, which is the arm that I broke, you know, because I was careful to not overdo this arm, but. Um, yeah, it was just amazing, man. I sat on that that beach um, and I just felt ready, you know. So I was nervous, but I was just so excited to give this a good go, you know. And yeah, once I got, you know, once the gun went or, or the whistle went and we started swimming, I just felt great and I just knew this was going to be a good day, you know. So yeah, and yeah, I ended up, you know, a one one hour thirty eight swim for me. I beat a whole bunch of able body competitors, um, and then on the bike. You know, for a quarter of my level, um, to average 23 k an hour, even just on a 42k race, is brilliant. You know, and I did that for 180 kilometers. You know, so, and I can tell you that has never been done before either. Just, just out of cycling, you know, that's never been done before for, for a quarter of my level. Um, so uh, with the swim, I'm pretty sure that's also not ever been done before. And um, yeah, look, then got onto the run, um, and I saw I could do still do a sub 13. Um, and then I actually on the first lap took a corner too fast and I, I fell as well I was on my racing chair. So uh, luckily I fell on the right arm uh, and I had to get back up. My The guy that was racing with me just helped me up again. And then I just decided, okay, no, take it a bit easier on the run. Just make sure you finish this safely and just make sure you become the first squad to do this ever in the world, you know, rather than chasing down that 13-hour mark, you know. So, But, yeah, you know, I couldn't have asked for better weather. Um, the wind did come up a bit on the on the bike, but um, you know it was cloudy, so it was a bit cooler. It wasn't that hot, you know, for for this time of the year in in Busselton, and um, the sea was perfectly smooth. So, you know, it was just a perfect day, you know, and it ended perfectly. And I'm yeah, I'm just absolutely stoked. It's incredible. I was following your race online and tracking things on Twitter, and at the time, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, you were trending on Twitter here in South Africa. After the race, you tweeted, I don't cry often, but today I did. Words can't describe this feeling. A few days after the race now, can you put it into words yet? Yeah, you know what? Eh? and That is, you know, what I see there is absolute truth. You know, I, I really don't ever cry. I must be honest. Like, it's very few times in my life that I ever cry. But, um, yeah, I, I remember the, after I crossed that line, I was, yeah, snort and thrown, as they say in Afrikaans, you know, so... Um, luckily, I had a towel over me, so I don't think too many people saw it. So, <laughs> but um, it, yeah, I don't know what you know. It's a feeling of relief. It's a feeling of you know, yeah, you know that feeling I can't describe. You know, but um, you know, for me, what what my really let reality set in was um, there was it's like a whole bunch of articles that got written on this uh, with people people I didn't even speak to. Um, so there's an article on, uh, I think it's New, uh, new Mobility Mag. In, it's a, a, mag, a magazine in uh, California and America. Uh, and they were like talking about the quad breaking the Ironman barrier. Uh, and I don't know if you read that article. Um, I, I did tweet it out. But um, they were comparing like the, the barrier that I broke with breaking the sound barrier and Roger Bannister breaking the 400 mile barrier, you know. So, you know, whether it is exactly that barrier or not, you know, like I, I can't say, but, you know, for me, it was just absolutely amazing that, you know, people compare it to that, you know. So, um, you know, for me, when I read that um, and then spoke with one or two people, like at the airport, um, there was this woman that came up to me and she's like, oh, there's this guy. And then she just said, 
you know what, you beat me in the swim. They, you know, because they, they saw me, um, I started with the pro ladies. Um, so they saw me start, and she just said, you know, when she saw me start with that double on backstroke, she didn't understand how I will finish the swim. And then I came out of the water ahead of her, you know, you were fast at time, you know. So, you know, all that type of stuff just sort of let it really sink into me that, geez, I really did something amazing, you know. So, but, um, you know, my most of my good friends tell me that they, they say, you know, it's gonna, probably going to take me another week or two before I really understand what I did, you know. But, um, yeah, you know, it's all those type of things that, you know, culminates 10 years of, of a dream, of this biggest dream of your life, you know, that, that just happened, you know. And, um yeah, you know, I don't know if that describes what I'm feeling, but you know, it's excitement. It's, it's like lost for words. It's you know, all those things wrapped together. You know, so um, you know, and on top of that, you know, I have to say, like, you know, it's my dream, but it, it it's really me and my wife's dream. You know, in the end, it was my wife's dream with me. You know, and and she was step every step of the way. She was there with me. You know, so um, yeah, you know, they, they we bought a shirt there. It's called uh, it said Iron Mate with a uh, um, a seat on a supporter seat on, so she's now my iron mate, you know. So <laughs> it's, oh, it's incredible, you know. That, that's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> Peter, I, I don't want to play it down. What you've done, I mean, this is this is huge. But as far as Ironman goes, and and I've done a few, and I, and I think I had this conversation with you before the race as well. That that on the day, from a physical perspective, because you've done all the training and you've done all the hard work. From a physical perspective, although the distances for someone who's never done one seems like they're massive, it's not really such a big thing. It's, it's almost like a reward for all the hard work you've put in in the months and years building up to this thing. What, no, what, would, what no. would you say to someone who's, who's maybe listening to this and, and is struggling with whatever it is in their life, that they can go, you know what, if Peter can do something this big, they can set a goal and, and do something big in their life as well? You know, I, I just honestly think if you can put, you can do anything you put your mind to, you know, and, and, you know, I always say, if you have a big goal and you put it down and you put a date down and you don't reach that date, but you work towards it, you're going to end up halfway towards that goal already, which is way further than you were if you didn't even put it down, you know, so, but I mean, you're absolutely right, you know, I was ready for this race on the day, you know, and I actually had a conversation with my wife this morning that, you know, I thought this day was going to be so harder or much harder when you picture it, when you start training for it. But the day was actually awesome, you know, and the support you have on the course, it just makes it so much easier if you are so ready for it, you know. It really is that training, you know. There was a three weeks in, like, my in my base training, there was this one day that was extremely hard training, extremely hard conditions. And that day I also cried after training. But after that day, I knew I was going to do the Ironman. You know, so it was all the hard work then that was really the tough stuff, you know. So so I'm absolutely in agreement with you. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, if I have to say to anybody, you know, look, I can say if I can do this, there's a hell of a lot that an able-bodied guy can do. Um, you know, they don't have to do an Ironman, but they don't, they can't say they can't do a marathon or this or that. If they really want to do it, you can do it, you know. So, so for me, it's really up to you. If, you know, it's your choice, though. You need to set those goals and whether it be in sport or life, family life, in culture, in music, whatever, you know, anything is possible. But, you know, for me, it's important to set those goals down, but set the smaller, um, you know, the smaller goals on the way to the bigger ones and the bigger dreams as well, you know, to get there. So, but it really is possible, you know. Um, you know, I've, I've just seen too many times in my life where guys have just told me it's not possible. Um, you know, doctors telling you, you won't be able to dress, you won't be able to be independent. And, 
you know, I've, I've just proven them wrong, you know, so, so for me, you know, nothing is impossible, you know, if you start, if, if you say it is, then it will be, if you, if you believe that there might be a chance that you can get there, you know, I'm pretty sure you'll probably get there if you work hard at it, so... That's what I can say. Yeah, Peter, I, I I tweeted something after after you finished as well, and, and I'm not sure if you saw it too, but I, I just love guys like you who do things like this that, that everyone thinks is impossible, and you go and make it possible. That I, I tweeted, I was just saying that you became the first quad to finish an Ironman, and, and I said to everyone, what's your excuse? Not, not saying that you need to go out and do an Ironman, but exactly like you said, it, it might be to run a 10K or to do a marathon or to swim the mid-mile mile or, or whatever it is. You've just gone and proved that no one else has got an excuse. I, I, it doesn't matter what's happened to you in your life. If you can do it, anybody can do it. Exactly. You know, and I mean, as I say, you don't have to take it to those extremes, but don't, you know, you know like a 10K is... Is an amazing achievement for somebody who has never run one k, you know. So, so it's just to to get to have that goal, you know, and, and to understand that it's so amazing to reach a small goal, even, you know. And then that feeling you get from reaching that goal, you know, and if people can just start, start understanding and realizing how amazing that is, then they'll just start setting goals for themselves from here till next tomorrow, you know. So, um, yeah, you know, I absolutely agree with you. you know, so. Well, I mean, you yourself well, with your whole story, I mean, had to set yourself some serious big goals, you know, so, I mean, it, it's, it's incredible what you've done in yourself as well. Oh, you know, so. uh, Peter, I, I'm humbled with you saying that, but uh, yeah, thank you. You, you. you talk about those goals, you're unbelievably goal-focused. This was the big thing you've been working towards for, for a long, long time now. Uh, we're a week after the race. You're not the guy who's going to sit at home and go, well, I've done it now. Not going to do anything else. What's your next goal, Peter? Yeah, so, um, look, I've heard this before, and I'll say it again. Like, for me, you have your big dreams, and the moment you put the date down, it becomes a goal. So my big dream was this Ironman, and I put the date down, so this was a goal now, 8 December. So already when I put the date down, then I start thinking about what's the next dream. So, you know, the ultimate thing in triathlon is is Kona, you know, for me, the world champs in Kona. Um, so, look, I, I can't tell you I'm definitely going to do it or whatever, but it's definitely the next big dream. Um, you know, I'll go Paralympics is always, you know, on the cards and depending on what events is available. I'll, you know, I love ra- racing for my country. So racing, wheelchair racing and, and, and cycling is always on the cards for me racing for my country. Um, but Kona, you know, is definitely on the cards for me now, you know. I chose Bustleton because the route's got a flat bike course and I thought it's possible, you know. So Kona, I just never even thought would be a possibility, you know, the heat because I don't sweat. Um, I know the course is tougher. Uh, I am I, I, I am going blind, so already at night time I can't see well, so I'm probably going to have to go into the night if I do race there. But, you know, that that's definitely the next goal. Um, I don't know exactly how I'm going to get there now, you know, in terms of qualifying and those type of things. I haven't checked out the route entirely again, but... But that's definitely my next dream that I'm going to go for. And, um, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to take a bit of a break now. Um, you know, I'll never stop training, but uh, get this arm to fully heal and recover. Um, and um, January, I'll plan the rest of my year, you know. So, but, um, yeah, that's definitely on the cards as my next dream to achieve, you know. So You've mentioned it, and we haven't even spoken about it, to be honest, but you also have a degenerative eye disease too. So on top of everything, you're going blind as well. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, once again, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. You know, when it when it affects me, so that I can, you know, that's why I'm chasing down these things as much as I can now. You know, 
while I can still see, I do what I can with my eyes as much as I can, you know, so, but, you know, how, how long it's going to take, I mean, I've already lost central vision on my left eye, um, and my peripheral vision isn't all that great, um, so, but I mean, once again, I just know, you know, if I do go blind, then I'll deal with it, then you carry on with what you have, you know, so, that's just my view on it, you know, so, it's, I'm not going to let it get me down, you know, so. Peter Dupre, you are an amazing guy. I love your spirit and your attitude. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I want to wish you all the best on your journey to the Ironman World Champs in Kona, Hawaii. I have absolutely no doubt it's going to happen, and I look forward to following your journey to it. <laughs> no, thanks so much, Brad, and thanks for the support. And if I can just say thanks to um, all the guys who believed in me, even after I broke my arm, um, you know, just sticking sticking behind me and um, believing, helping me believe that I can still do it. Um, and then just my, my main sponsor, Deloitte, um, and I had some help from Powerbar and Zone 3 Wetsuits. Um, and then my wife and Walter Lutz, the guy who raised with me, guys, yeah, without them it wouldn't have been possible. And uh, and then just all the support out there, Twitter, you guys, um, Brad, yeah, amazing guy. You know, it's, it's incredible. I really appreciate it. I couldn't have done it without you guys. What an amazing story and what a phenomenal guy. Peter Dupria, you biscuit, uh, becoming the first quad to complete an Ironman. Uh, what an amazing achievement, eh? And just a, what, what, a, what an inspirational guy. Hopefully that fired you up on this week's Tri Talk essay. Uh, and that's about it for the show. If you haven't registered for our webinar yet, that's coming up this week ahead of 70.3. If you've got any questions you'd like answered, uh, you can... Email them to us in the meantime, by the way. It's podcast at tritalksa.co.za. We'll give you the details on how you can ask them on social media during the uh, webinar as well. So do be in touch. I look forward to spending that time with you on Thursday night. And hopefully it'll be the first of many webinars. We've got some really cool things planned for 2013. And I look forward to sharing those with you in the weeks, months uh, ahead in this year. I hope your training is going well. Enjoy the rest of it ahead of 70.3. If you are taking part, if you're training for something else, all the best. And we'll chat again next week from myself, Brad Brown. Have yourself a superb one. Stay safe. Cheers.